0: live free or die and they didn't say how they die you know it it sounds like it sounds all glorious like oh we're gonna get shot or you're gonna you know when when someone's trying to take our weapons away from my cold dead hands but no it could be that you just die from COVID-19 because you're too stupid to stay inside. You're listening to Unscripted with Mike and Chris brutally honest sports talk and now here is Mike Jansen.
1: Welcome to this 525th episode of Unscripted yeah, he <laughs> can't trust myself. <laughs> um, simulcasting. I like that word better than video and at the same time. Simulcastingly, simulcasting at the same time with our audio as well as our video on this and all future episodes we think of Unscripted unless guys like uh, Greg and Ryan have something to say. And Ryan, before I continue on, I saw your comment about the two ugly guys in the jerseys. <laughs> all I have to comment is... I can't believe that that poor, wonderful woman of yours has to wake up next to you every morning. Um, It's a shame. It's a shame. And the mirror, there's a cracked mirror in that house, and you now know (laughs) why. And it isn't because of Nicole. A lot of things to talk about. And as we get used to and implement new changes and implement new things and segments here on our little program, we're going to try to do this, and I'm fully on board with this. I think it's a good way Chris suggested it, and I fully endorse it, is we're going to start each of our first episodes with a look at the things that are making news and notes. Now, if it's continuously about COVID-19, I, uh, I'm not uh, going to go ad no. nauseum about that because we all know the ramifications. We all know that. Um, Oh, and I, I do have to share something with you real quick and I can't remember it off the top of my head, but this'll be, this'll give you an idea of why I'm concerned about going to Las Vegas at the end of the month mm-hmm. in fr- on Friday, yesterday. Yeah. yeah. Friday, the state of Arizona had 4,221 new cases alone. Clark County in Las Vegas, that's the county Mm -hmm. Las Vegas is in, had 550 new cases just yesterday. The country of Canada yesterday had 321 new cases. That's why the National Hockey League is going to start on August the 1st. That is why they're going to crown a champion because we have flattened the curve and that's all I'm going to uh, mention about COVID-19. But pretty amazing when you have over 4,200 cases in the state of Arizona alone and you've got 321 in the whole country of Canada. So congratulations to the Canadians. But as we start this new segment... This first episode, we're going to take a look at the things that are making news and notes from the wonderful and wacky world of sports, and I'm going to start, and I'm just going to number them right down the list, and we'll get to as many as we can. And I'm going to start with the news and notes with Deshaun Jackson, who made headlines this week, obviously with some of his anti-Semitic comments during the week. And folks, uh, in this day and age, in the life and the times that we're living in, if you have these kind of feelings inside of you, then find a way to get rid of them because I think that there should be ramifications for stuff like this. And I'm just trying to find my, there we go. I know the guy is talented, but he was punished by the Eagles this week. He has had discussions with Mr. Lurie or Lurie, excuse me, Jeff Lurie, the owner general manager, Howie Roseman, who both happen to be of Jewish faith. And I think in this case, I believe in my heart of hearts, again, considering everything that we're going through right now and all this Black Lives Matter stuff and, and all this other stuff, and rightfully so, all of these statues are being taken out in front of stadiums and, and mentions of guys like George Marshall off the wall of fame, uh, the Washington Redskins, because the original owner of the Redskins obviously had some problems with uh, racism and diversity. I get that. But then why, to me, why was Deshaun Jackson's punishment only a fine? Again, especially if the owner and the general manager are both of the Jewish faith. And I am of the belief, and I know again that Deshaun Jackson's a very talented wide receiver, but he's made a horrific mistake here, folks. And I think at the very least, he should have been released. I think his days as playing wide receiver for the Philadelphia Eagles should be over because... If we have to watch basically almost every word that comes out of our mouths these days, I think when you do something like this, there should be penalties more than a fine. A fine to a National Football League player to me is nothing. It's peanuts. Um, He's going through counseling and all this other stuff, and that's great. And he's had a talk to from everybody on the Eagles organization, but I think in this instance, in the times and the days that we're living in right now, Deshaun Jackson should, in my opinion, be looking for another team.
0: Well, I think they were worried about setting a double standard as a franchise because, if you remember, the Philadelphia Eagles used to have a white wide receiver, Riley Cooper. Riley Cooper, and he used the N word, which is crazy for when you're playing in the NFL. And uh, they didn't release him, so it would be it would everyone would look back and say, "Well, you didn't release this guy when he did something." arguably you know as bad or worse and so how can you do it now so different uh, times different times I don't mean to interject I I don't mean to interject
1: and and everybody has an opinion but again I think we even have to take it up a few notches in regard to sensitivity these days and I think that this would have sent an unbelievable message especially the Philadelphia Eagles after what they did with Riley Cooper and I don't agree I think Riley Cooper should have been let go a couple of years ago but i have i think this begs the question if riley excuse me if deshaun jackson was a special teamer or a scrub a scrub or on the practice squad a we wouldn't be talking about it and b i think he silently would have been shown the door but because this guy is a former pro bowl player he's getting a in my opinion he's getting a he's getting a uh,
0: an extension, or he's getting a he's getting a lifeline because he's a hell of a wide receiver, in my opinion. Well, I read all the stuff he posted, and to me, and I'm I'm not trying to be the you know PR agent for Deshaun Jackson by any means or anything here, but I really think when I look at what he wrote and what he later highlighted, uh, I think that he was so zeroed in on the pro black stuff that he wasn't even thinking about all the other stuff. <clears throat> And so, uh, you know, he's not thinking... I don't think he meant to be anti-Semitic. I don't think that was ever the intent. I don't see that at all. I mean, he was just zeroed in on... He saw some pro-African-American language and some words like that, and he was just zeroed in on that and he posted it. And I think... I'm sure that's all that happened. And and I don't disagree with you, but I look at general
1: people, general citizens of North America. Um, If you hear a white person use the N-word they're automatically just, Oh yeah. That's, pieces that's, of crap. That's it. Yeah. And yet if you go and, and I've seen this, if you go to a particular place where maybe, and again, where a great contingent of, of African Americans are together like at Rucker park in New York, watching them play the great Rucker park tournaments that they have in New York city. And you hear the N word all over the place, but they don't, they don't have the ramifications or don't suffer the ramifications of using the N-word. But if a white guy uses the N-word, he just becomes public enemy number one. And I think that there's a lot in this thing by allowing Deshaun Jackson to stay on the roster, regardless of what you said, and you're right. But it sends a bad message in my point because he's getting away with things that maybe less talented athletes aren't going to have the same... I I don't know, and I I think I don't blame Deshaun Jackson as much as I do blame the owner and the general manager. I think they should
0: have the cojones to get rid of this guy. And Deshaun Jackson is is getting old, frankly. I don't know that they kept him around because of any sort of uh, you know, team need or anything like that. I have a if he was, if it's, you know, one of the top guys on the team, then sure, maybe, sure. But I don't think he is anymore. Last year he played and looked really good in week one. And then the rest of the year he caught one pass and was out the rest of the year with injury. And uh, cause I know because I had him on my fantasy team. <laughs> uh, I still won the league, so it's okay. You but but you yeah. uh, will fire him. Yeah, that was really disappointing. But look, I think a lot of minorities are so used to, they just have to really be all about espousing uh, and advocating for their culture or group or whatever they're for that they don't really have to factor in certain other ones potentially i don't think a lot of black people are used to having to make sure that they're being sensitive to the jewish community as a white person i know that i have to be very good co- i can't get away with anything even if i wanted to like yeah. I, you can't i can't make fun of any I'm, I'm a white male and i'm straight like i mean i can't I can't say anything about anyone, right? I remember Chris Rock, I'm almost out of frustration, I think, years ago, he tried to come up with an equivalent of the N-word for black people to use on white people. Right. And it was on Saturday Night Live, and I think he was hoping it would get a lot of play, and maybe if this had happened in the days of social media, maybe it would have, but this was happening in the early 90s, I think, he was this segment. early 90s. Yeah, something like that. And he came on there and he said... Uh, he came up with the word. Do you know what word he came up with instead no. of the N word? He came up with "yaku." Hmm. He said he's like, yeah, yeah, yaku, yeah, cool. and he wanted that to be like the black, uh, you know, word that uh, black people could use to make fun of white people instead of the N word. And he wanted that to be this horrible word that uh, white people would just hate, uh, and it never took off or anything. And maybe it would have today. And maybe this clip will go crazy, and I'll <laughs> we'll see this, and I'll, I'll lead to this word being horrible, but. Uh, Look, I just think that uh, what people like Deshaun Jackson need to learn is that it's not just about promoting, you know, the viewpoints of black people you also have to factor in all the other groups it's not it's not as simple and one-dimensional as oh just say anything pro-black and if we hurt some jewish people along the way big deal that's just collateral damage you can't think like that if you were going to have this conversation in a mature way and in an expedited way like we are these days then you're going to have to consider all viewpoints and have a, a little more awareness before you post anything on social media Fair enough. Um, As we
1: continue going uh, through this new segment here on Unscripted, we're going through the headlines of what has been happening in the wonderful and wacky world of sports over the last 24-48 hours, and we'll continue right along. And uh, good news for the National Hockey League and the NHL Players Association, as those two groups ratified a new four-year extension to their collective bargaining agreement on Friday, as well as they ratified the new restart plan for hub cities in Edmonton and Toronto, and uh, I guess the headline in this new CBA is that the players will be allowed to participate in the 2022 and 2026 Winter Olympics. Also, the 2014 playoffs start on August 1. And the NHL is targeting, this is this is kind of strange, but this is, again, I think credit to Bettman and Daly to getting, they had a job to do and damn it, they went out and got it done. The NHL is targeting December 1, 2020, for the start of next season, with the hope of playing a full 82-game schedule, even if the Stanley Cup does not get awarded until July of 2021. So more good news of the National Hockey League. They start up with these 2014 playoffs on August the 1st, and um, teams have already started, I think, filtering into Toronto and Edmonton and uh, can't wait to see what happens on August 1 with the restart of the National Hockey League.
0: Yeah, what a great job by all parties involved here. As we said last week, FAIR, Betman, Daly, everybody, just a great job. Give the fans what they want, give the players what they want. People are going to be in the Olympics. Fans are going to enjoy cheering for that. We're going to get a season. We're going to get a playoffs. We're going to get next season. And they've they have looked so far in advance. Well, you've got baseball. You've got uh, Rob Manfred piddling around Robbie. and Robbie Manfred sorry and you've got them just they can't even see past the end of their nose They're, they they can't even get this season started in abbreviated fashion uh, never mind it, it hasn't even occurred to him I don't think to look down the road and think oh hey what about when do we start next season when does the World Series happen next year and maybe we make that just shifted slightly back you don't have to get it all back on track perfectly in one year, uh, you, you maybe it takes a couple years to get back on track, but he hasn't even thought about that. I bet that hasn't even occurred to that guy, right? Whereas you have in hockey now, it's really great. It's not over yet. It's like we haven't gotten through, and this is not Bettman's fault or Ferris' fault or anything else, but again, when you start hearing about guys saying that they might not want to play and you have uh, more and more positive tests... Uh, not in the hubs, that would be a disaster, but, uh, you know, before they even leave for the hubs, it's, uh, it's, it's still a bit dicey, and I don't think I could bet my life that it's going to happen, but I guaranteed that Batman would get this done months ago, and I'm sticking to it. Uh, don't want to bet my life on it, but I'm still guaranteeing it, and they've done everything they can, but, yeah, we are not quite out of the woods yet.
1: Next up on the list, and as Chris was talking about uh, players in respective leagues uh, using the op- opt out clause, if you will, and there's no ramifications. What happens is you uh, submit a, a note or a, make a message to somebody, and uh, in all the big professional sports leagues, by a certain date saying that I cannot or will not participate and uh, then you are allowed to bring another player onto your roster to make up for that lost roster spot. But we have, as of this morning, have the most prominent name yet. Last week it was David Price and Felix Hernandez, formerly of the Seattle Mariners, now of course was going to pitch this year on a one-year contract with the Atlanta Braves, but we now have what I feel is the most prominent name for Major League Baseball to announce yesterday or actually early this morning, that he is opting out of the season. San Francisco's Giants all-star catcher Buster Posey is skipping this season due to concerns with coronavirus and his newly adopted two daughters. And we also, this morning, have our first National Hockey League player to opt out as Flames defenseman Travis Hemenick is bypassing this season because of coronavirus concerns and his children as well. And interesting with, with Hamanick because, first of all, he's for the Flames, so we don't really care. But I wonder how this is going to affect affect his status for next year because he's not an all-star in regard to like a Buster Posey is. But what I'm getting at here is that Hammonick's contract runs at, uh, runs out at the end of this season, and I wonder if this decision affects his opportunities maybe next year to land on with a team. I know there's not supposed to be ramifications if you opt out and there shouldn't be. I get that, but I just, I, I throw that out there for discussion because, you know, I, I think there's so many things that these guys have to think about both personal, personal, obviously personal preferences and and personal options, but think about some of your career moves too. When you're, these are all things that are coming into play and, um uh, I don't know if it'll affect Travis Hammannick at all. I don't even know. I mean, I don't watch enough Flames hockey, even living in Calgary, to know if this guy's any good or not. I do know that he spent the first seven years of his career with the New York Islanders, and he was a pretty darn good defenseman with the Islanders, but I haven't heard much. He missed 20 games of the 70 games the Flames had played this year with injuries. So. Interesting there, a big name in baseball saying no, and our first National Hockey League saying, first National Hockey League guy saying no as well.
0: Yeah, I don't know if you saw this, but there was a headline posted on social media about how the Toronto Blue Jays are looking at, uh, when they get everyone into the bubble, uh, having fines of up to $750,000 if you leave the bubble, and even threatening guys with jail time. Yep. And then A.J. Brown, the great young receiver of the Tennessee Titans in the NFL, He posted on that and said something like family comes first and, you know, you're not going to force me in here and away from my family. So we haven't even seen the beginning of what's going to happen with the NFL when it comes to this stuff. And now we see what's going on with baseball and baseball is so contentious already that... This is another part of the problem with Robbie Manfred is that when you have such a dysfunctional relationship with everybody that nobody's really that excited to, shall we say, go to bat for you. Nice. Boom. Wrote that yourself. Right as I was saying it too, yeah. So anyway, but yeah, you go to... You're not going to have guys really stepping up to the plate for you. Sorry, I can't. Like, there's just too many puns. It's too much fun. Anyway, um, but no, if you're going to have guys like A.J. Brown to say, no, family, and then they're not going to show up. And Travis Hamanick, I mean, he was a big-time free agent signing. Everybody wanted him when he was leaving the Islanders, yeah. and then he didn't really pan out probably because of the team he went to. Maybe he would have been amazing somewhere else, but it didn't really work out here. But it'll be interesting here. It's really going to affect the competitive balance too. I mean, if you've got money on the flames to win the Cup, and you're an idiot if you do. Well, you do, yeah. mean You deserve what you get. It's like when people <laughs> bet on... You're 50s. just desserts. Yeah, I said, you're just desserts, which we will be seeing in the next episode here. Uh, we're going to see lots of people get what they deserve this week uh, on Unscripted. But no, I mean, you're going to see all these different reasons, whether it's family... Whether it's they don't want to play for the team, maybe they don't like the coach anyway, maybe they don't respect the commissioner, maybe they just don't care at all, and they're only in this for the money in the first place. There's a lot of issues, and this is going to expose a lot of those little fissures that we don't always see all the time. And uh, it's going to be uh, a lot of a lot of headlines, shall we say, going to be made from all this. But you've said all along, and you're right. I agree with you that. Uh, hockey is the only one that really looks like a strong chance of being completed even if we have to somehow get by without Travis Hamannick
1: I will I can guarantee you yeah. Um, continuing on on this 524th episode of Unscripted a new segment that we have uh, launched here today is taking a look at the headlines as to what's happening in the wonderful and wacky world of sports over the last 24-48 oh, hours and a big one to me of all these headlines the biggest one to me, the one that affects me the most, and because it's all about me, I'm just the king of selfish here. Um, the Pac 12 conference. That's teams like USC, UCLA. We're talking now the National Communists Against Athletes here, folks. We're talking about the NC2A. Two major conferences in the Power Five conferences down in the United States. On Thursday, it was the Big Ten. That's Ohio State, Michigan, Wisconsin, Iowa, Michigan State, those Yahoos. And then the Pac 12 enacted this yesterday and these two conferences and there's there's more on the way I've got a comment about the SEC Commissioner Greg's, I think his name is Sansky or something like that but I've got a I've got a message about him in a minute but these two conferences as of right now are the two conferences that have decided to go um, only with conference only games in the fall season so this means that um, USC and uh, well, this year would be, as an example, they was supposed to be early in the season, a big non-conference clash between Ohio State and Oregon. That won't happen this year. Um, Michigan was supposed to play the Washington Huskies in Seattle. That won't happen this year. Uh, Notre Dame was coming to Lambeau Field in Green Bay to play the University of Wisconsin. That won't happen this year. Just inter-conference, uh, inter-conference play and... Um, this will include, obviously include football, but it's for all the fall sports. But the one that obviously we talk about and really read about and, and see on television is football in the fall. Um, but this is devastating to football fans like me, college football fans like me. We won't see Notre Dame USC this year, for example. Um, and it's just, it's a travesty. I understand why you're trying to, you know, uh, make make the players and administrators and coaches and everybody the least exposed, if you will, to the coronavirus. But it is a goddamn shame that we're not going to get to see, again, USC, Notre Dame. We're not going to get to see Notre Dame, Wisconsin. Um, Oregon and, Ho- and Ohio State would have been a hell of a game in uh, early September out in Eugene, Oregon. So, again, another another falling out, if you will, from the coronavirus I'm, I'm very thankful that we're going to see be able to see the 10 conference games, but there are some memorable non-conference games that we are not going to be able to see in 2020 because, again, of COVID-19.
0: Yeah, well, if the U.S. had flattened the curve like Canada has, they uh, would have had football no problem, I think, by the time fall comes around. I don't think it would have been any issue whatsoever. They had lots and lots of time to get their act together as various states, and I think some states have done okay, so I don't want to blame everybody. But, I mean, you mentioned Arizona earlier, and I mean, Arizona is as good of an example as there is when it comes to, you know, no one takes my guns and nobody tells me what to do.
1: Exactly right. And Arizona was one of the first to open up again,
0: and they obviously opened up too early. Well, but it's that whole thing, like, what's the, is it New Hampshire that's live free or die? Is that New Hampshire? I think you're right. Yeah, it's New Hampshire. I think you're right. Yeah. Pretty good there. Yeah. So, but I mean, there's a lot, all those states, and New Hampshire isn't even the most crazy you know gun state or anything like that or it's certainly not southern state but there's a lot of those states that's what it is live free or die and they didn't say how they die it, you know it, it sounds like it sounds all glorious like oh we're gonna get shot or you're gonna you know when when someone's trying to take our weapons away from my cold dead hands but no it could be that you just die from COVID-19 because you're too stupid to stay inside and uh, yeah okay great so I'll keep living free and you're gonna die and sorry you needed to flatten the curve and you didn't so
1: before we get out of here on this 525th episode of Unscripted, simulcast both on the video and obviously with the audio, um, big-ticket item Saturday night from the Flash Forum. I wonder who drew that up. Was that drew, uh, was that uh, white, too? Uh, the Flash <laughs> Forum? I like that. UFC 251, the first one at Flash Forum at Fight Island. Fight Island, I should say. I'm really having trouble with my lips today. Um in Abu Dhabi features a very deep and talented fight card Uh headlined by Kamaru Usman Uh versus Jorge Masvidal. Give us, Mr. UFC guy, give us your quick analysis as to what you're expecting tonight from Abu Dhabi.
0: Well, in reality, what should happen is that Usman should destroy him and that's not Masvidal's fault. The problem is Usman has been training for a title fight But uh, his opponent uh, has COVID-19 and couldn't make it. So now, uh, Masvidal had to step in as a replacement, and it's really tough to step in as a replacement when you're in a global pandemic, you haven't been training, you didn't have any fights scheduled, you then have to, out of nowhere, you haven't even cut weight yet, never mind trained. Most of these guys go through a three-month camp working on every aspect of fighting. Okay, work on your wrestling for a bit, work on your jiu-jitsu for a bit, work on your striking for a bit, work on your... Re- like, they have to go through this really intensive, multifaceted three-month camp to even get ready for a fight. This poor guy has been sitting there with nothing to do, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, he has to fly to Vegas, do all the tests for COVID-19, pass them all, fly all the way across the world to Abu Dhabi. Oh, my God. Then, once he gets there, he then gets to start trying to frantically cut weight, which is a disaster and the most exhausting thing ever anyway. I don't even know if he'll get to train at all, really, before the fight. Now, this is Jorge Masvidal. This is as badass of a guy as there is. He is the BMF champion, what they called it, right? Of course, where he uh, beat Diaz. And so he's, you know, the baddest guy around. Uh, He made his name before he was even in the UFC. He was uh, making, uh, you know, he was on YouTube videos when YouTube was brand new, like street fighting in in Miami, basically. Like literally, or uh, backyard fighting. Like they'd have someone would have a crappy camcorder and they'd tape in someone's backyard guys having actual fights and like this guy is legit and he's bad and I like to think that if they both got to train even though I mean Usman is 16 and one and Mosve is 35 and 13 uh, I have to think Masvidal would have a real shot and he still does don't get me wrong this guy is really great and I like Masvidal. I think he's a really neat guy and I think he's really tough and and he's a great fighter and Usman just annoys me he really does and I, I really hope masvidal can destroy him but it's just not a good bet with those comments we're hoping for masvidal to win tonight i am definitely hoping for masvidal to win and so i think i think he would too because he's a he's one of those he's just a badass but he he seems like a a decent guy and he 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 will show respect when it's proper but then he'll turn into a street fighter on you if you're an ass to him whereas usman is i just he just annoys me uh usman i don't know i just don't like him and I feel like he's gotten lucky a couple times and I just think Mosfidal can absolutely beat him but if you're I always have to look at it from a betting point of view and a prediction point of view and I can't uh, I can't predict Mosfidal when he's at such a disadvantage I mean to fly across the world and then start your weight cut and you haven't trained it's, it's brutal. So, I mean, all the credit in the world for him having the balls to step up and go through all this just to probably lose. No. He, I mean, he is getting a title shot, so you don't want to say no to those too often. But, I mean, hey, all the best to Masvidal tonight.
1: Real quick before we get out of here, one more that I want to touch base on. And this is kind of funny because if you remember and listened to a number of the previously produced 500 and whatever it is episodes we've done here on Unscripted, you remember I've talked – a lot about Zion Williamson in regard to, I think that he was a little fat. (laughs) I think he was a little out of shape. And if he didn't get his, you know what together, I felt that Zion Williamson was going to become this generation's Charles Barkley. But I got to tell you, I've seen some pictures and some video yesterday of Zion Williamson and he looks fantastic. Really? He took the time during this downtime to get his ass in shape and folks, He looks like a monster out there. And so if you have a couple extra bucks moving forward and want to put it on a flyer, because at this point of the season, especially as we restart here, you're not going to make any money betting on the Milwaukee Bucks, the Los Angeles Lakers or Clippers, these kind of teams, because those guys are supposed to be where they are right now. But I'm telling you, if you want to throw an extra 50 bucks or 100 bucks on the New Orleans Pelicans, I would do it just because of what I've seen in the way that Zion Williamson has come back. Looks like a totally different guy. I bet they had to find a different uniform for him because he looks just ripped. So congratulations to him. But the reason I'm bringing this up is that I think it's eerily similar to this last headline that I want to get to. Toronto Blue Jays manager Charlie Montoya announced on Friday that young superstar Vladimir Guerrero Jr. will concentrate this season on playing first base and DHing. Now, I also made comments at the end of last season in concern of the Toronto Blue Jays that I thought Vladi Guerrero has unbelievable bat speed. There's no question about that. Unbelievable baseball instincts, obviously because of his Hall of Fame father, has something to do with it. But my God, the kid was fat. He was fat. I don't care what anybody says. You can leave a comment on any of the 93 different avenues Chris has set up for you. But at the end of last season, Vladimir Guerrero was fat. He looked like he was waddling his ass up to the plate. And I think he's a tremendous talent. He is the cornerstone of the future for the Toronto Blue Jays. There's no question about that. But I think with this announcement that they're moving him over to first base and he's going to concentrate on first base and designate hit this year. I think that uh, Shapiro and that Limpdick general manager, Ross Atkins, I think they have just said, you are going to play first base until you lose some weight, because right now you are a liability to play third base. That is my feeling. And when the manager comes out and says, your young superstar who was really good last year in his first year, um I think they're telling, I think they're giving a subtle message to Mr. Young Guerrero that you need to drop some poundage. and when you do that at that
0: time, possibly we'll let you go back to third base. Well, if this is punitive, then that is pretty interesting. I would say that no matter what, number one, Uh, You should make sure that even if a guy is your DH or your first baseman, you still want to make sure that they're taking care of themselves, especially if they're your cornerstone in the future. And uh, secondly, though, like, wouldn't you want to always put the guy where it's best for the team? I mean, yeah, you don't want him to be, you know, really unhealthy, but I mean if he has some extra weight on him, but he's using it to hit home runs, I mean, then at least that makes some sense. I mean, you still need a DH, you still need a first baseman. Maybe it makes sense for him to go there. Maybe he doesn't get as worn out playing in the outfield, even if he is in decent oh, shape. Oh, he'd never play in the outfield. Oh, sorry, sorry. Uh, in Third the, base. In the field, I meant. Sorry, as opposed to DHing, I meant. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, if, uh, if he's, even if he was, you know, in better shape, why not put him at first base, have him be a little less active than a third baseman, and then he's got that much more juice when he's at the plate. I mean, I think it makes sense to put him there. Now, even if you put him there, even if he's fine with it, you still want to make sure that his nutrition's on point and everything else. There's no reason not to. I mean, athletes these days... As we know, like even golfers these days, it's not oh. it's not a it's not a bunch of Craig Stadlers out there anymore, right? Like it's or John Daly's, like it's you know we're blame Tiger
1: Woods for that. Yeah, yeah.
0: well, but it's it's right. Like it didn't it never made any sense. You're a professional athlete. Doesn't matter what it is. Right. I mean, it, I mean, it doesn't well, matter what it is. Well,
1: what, what I'm thinking here is that they're going to use this 60 game season to see <laughs> how he transitions to his new position. But I also think there's a subtle message here that you know the fastest way for him to improve his batting average, because he's not going to hit, he's not going to hit 60, 70, 80 home runs a year. He's not going to do it. As talented as he is, he's not going to. So let's, let's have him work on the batting average and work on his on-base percentage because he is going to be probably in the third or fourth hole in their lineup for the next 15 years if they keep him in Toronto all this time. And I believe that he can only help his team more by being able to stretch a single into a double and a double potentially into a triple by being 50 or 60 pounds less that he's carrying around the baseball diamond. And I think ultimately they're going to look and take again to see if this 60-game uh, season, if it's a good fit with them, literally and figuratively at first base, because they really they have a third baseman that they could use in Brandon Drury right now, who they got from the Yankees a couple of years ago, they could use him at third and put Guerrero at first and see how it works. But if it doesn't work or he just wants to go back to third base or whatever it may be, but you're giving yourself some options. And I think that's what the Toronto blue Jays while sending a subtle message to get your fat ass in shape are
0: the national league. Uh, is the national league uh, going to be using a DH? Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. So, There's a good chance that they just keep that. I kind of don't think they're going to go away with that. I don't think they'll. I think they'll keep the national. I think they'll keep baseball permanent with with the DH everywhere. So, I mean, theoretically, you could make it so that Vladimir Guerrero never played in the field ever again. Like, you can make him a DH for the next 15 years. You could make him
1: the next David Ortiz.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, now again, you don't want him to be unhealthy. You don't want him to break down earlier in his career than he should.
1: Let's be honest. You don't want to see a 20, what is he, 21, 22 at the most. At the most, he's 21 or 22. You just don't want him to see and all that talent break down because his body can't handle that extra poundage. Yeah, exactly. And you know, with everything that the Blue Jays are putting in uh, in regard to making him that cornerstone of the of the franchise. They've got to make sure he plays as many games as possible, as healthy as possible for the Blue Jays. When you're in a division with the Yankees and the Red Sox that can spend, 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 you have every asset that you have on your roster. And this, the perfect poster boy for this is the Tampa Bay Rays. They're in that same division with those two monsters, and you've got to have every asset at 100% ability to get out there and perform, or you're just you
0: don't have a chance again in a division with the Yankees and the Red Sox. I think though that it's not a bad idea to just make Vlad focus on that, and then he can just focus 100% on batting and hitting. Even when he's practicing, like you don't even have to have him in the field. Like why not? Like he he seems to be a bit of a prodigy. Like he really he has the genetics, he has the pedigree, he's got the uh, the hitting ability, he's got the slugging, he's got all of it, right? And he's so young. Like why not? Maybe he could become the all time home run leader someday. Maybe right? Maybe. So yeah. Why not focus on that? Make it so he's got all his energy for batting. I would consider, even if he was in shape, I would consider putting him at first base or DHing. Anyway, actually, I'd lean towards DHing. I don't really see the benefit of stick. You can put anybody at first. Any any major league baseball player, you can stick at first base pretty, mu- pretty I know, much. Pretty and, much. And I'm not trying to. No, you're not trying to uh, downgrade the position. I mean, but I mean, really, if you if you have to, anyone who's made it to the major league level, they're they're probably okay at first base if you've already got a DH. So uh, I don't see the need for him to do that if he's that special of a talent. Really, just focus him. On, on being a pure DH. And uh, I think that's the right thing for the team.
1: And if he does break the all-time home run record, in my eyes, he's breaking the record of Henry, hammer hammering Hank Aaron at 756 career home runs, not that pill-popping moron from the San Francisco Giants at 762. Mm-hmm. He'd be, he'd be breaking Hank Aaron's record. In my opinion, Mm -hmm. we've got to run on this 525th episode of unscripted again, both on the audio and the video simulcasting, if you will. (laughs) I like that word. Um, we've got to run a lot of things to get to this week, but remember folks, and I'll keep reminding you, even though we're on the video and you can leave your uh, comments and I hope that you do, uh, at the YouTube where the videos are being shown, but, please subscribe to any and all of the different uh, social avenues and all the different means that Chris has given you to listen to unscripted, because obviously that is huge for us moving forward here on unscripted with Mike and Chris. And remember, as I always say on Spotify, it's follow, not subscribe and subscribe on YouTube. as well. Right. Absolutely. I I did that last night. I am a subscriber on (laughs) YouTube. And for me, that's big folks. Um, we've got to run. Um, A lot of things to get to, but having said all that, for the executive producer of Unscripted, Mr. Chris Fluke, I'm Mike Jansen. Until next time.